Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. One of the great things about God is His ability to put broken things back together. He often puts broken people and broken relationships back together. God can take a dead and broken body and bring it back to life, even to eternal life. The beauty of eternal life for those who trust in Jesus is that He'll be there with you for all eternity. You will not be alone, nor do you need to be afraid. Abraham's life has not been easy, and in Genesis chapter 25, Abraham breathes his last breath here on earth. Yet that is just the beginning, a getaway to a new life for him. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, Hope Never Dies. When I realized that he gave everything he had for me so I could have my sins forgiven, so I could go to heaven, I could be adopted by God. We'll talk about that in a bit. When he did that all for me and I put my trust in him, the natural response is, you gave it all for me, I give all of me to you. And that will change you like that. It will change you in an instant. You'll never be the same. And you will constantly, constantly, constantly be coming back to that moment. Before we go any further in this hope for those who can't see it, Genesis 15, 15, God said to Abraham, now as for you, so we're going back a whole bunch of chapters, 10 chapters, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. That was a promise made many years ago, but notice God didn't say in between now and the point in time when that promise is fulfilled, your life is gonna be so easy. You're not going to have any pain. You're not going to have any trouble. No, he never said that. There's a verse we come back to continuously because I just think it's so appropriate for us. We move ahead 2,000 years from Abraham. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He has rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. The apostle Paul and Barnabas are going out. They're starting churches. There's all kinds of adversity. And after they, you watch the maps. If you got the maps in the back of your Bible, you need to use them. You need to watch the journeys. And what they did was they would go out starting churches and then they would come back and they would be seeing how the churches would be doing. The apostle Paul and Barnabas coming back in Acts chapter 14, they're visiting the churches and they're teaching them and they are encouraging them. And listen to what they say, Acts 14, 22. They were strengthening the souls of the disciples and the disciples are simply the learners and followers of Jesus. Now, in our age, it's the super Christians. That's not biblical. If, you, if you're learning about Jesus, if you're following Jesus, you are a disciple of Jesus. Strengthening the souls of his disciples, exhorting, some versions say encouraging, them to continue in the faith. Some versions say remain true in the faith. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Are you committed to that? No matter what, no matter what, are you committed to continuing in the faith? And saying, we must through many tribulations, some versions say hardships, enter the kingdom of God. God is, in fact, not saying, guaranteeing it's going to be easy. He's telling you it's not going to be easy. The Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it this way. They translate it this way. It is necessary to pass through many troubles 
on our way into the kingdom of God. Loved ones, it is so important we all hear that. It is so important we all hear that. You see, because sometimes we default to bad theology, thinking that we're only suffering because God is displeased with us. If somebody asked you if that's true, you would say no, but inside our hearts, we do default to that kind of thinking, don't we? But let me, let me tell you something that you know is true, but maybe some of you have not seen this. You see, trouble comes our way as we cry out to God, draws Jesus to us, not away from us. You know, a lot of times when people are in trouble, what do you do? You say, oh, here they come. You walk the other way. <laughs> you don't want to be involved. But, but remember, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago from the book of Hebrews, Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. So when you're in trouble and when you cry out to him, he runs to you, not from you. Verse 7, this is the sum of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. Remember, they lived a lot longer back then. The, the gene pool was not as corrupted as, one that, as it is now. But, but the lives will start getting less. Not Isaac, but then after that, they start getting less. So he lived 100 years in Canaan. He was 75 when he got there. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the field of Ephron, the sons of Zohar the Hittite, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried and Sarah, his wife. We had covered this already. So Abraham's offspring are spreading out like the Lord said. They're becoming more numerous. While Isaac stays in the promised land, which will belong to the people of God. God kept his word. Remember Genesis 15, he said, you will be buried at a good old age despite all the troubles. God kept his word to him. And now in his old age, he seems to be content and at peace. Isaac is married, and it's quite possible, we talked about that last week, it's quite possible that he got to meet some of Isaac's children. In fact, verses 12 through 18 lists his son Ishmael's family, more grandkids and Keturah's too, plus we know that they have the cave in the promised land, which was the start of the, of the land promise. So the things are in motion. Verse 9 says that his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. Now we know they did not part on good terms. So for now, it, it's possible they buried their differences to bury their father. And no doubt the differences between them broke their father's heart. Those of you who are parents know that, the, that one of the most discouraging things in the world is when your children fight. When your children fight. 
and when they, they, have, they can't stand each other. No, no families are supposed to be, you know, stick close together. I told this story once before, I think, that, that there was a bully in our neighborhood, and uh, he was a year younger than me, and, and he was famous for picking on the little kids. And uh, he was picking on my little brother, who was five years younger than me, four years younger than him. And so I came out, and there was a whole circle of kids in the neighborhood, and um, he was beating on my brother. I went over in a very, I wasn't a Christian then, but I probably do the same thing now. I went over and had a nice talk with that young man. <laughs> no, I beat the living daylights out of him. <laughs> and then his big brother came, who was the biggest bully in the neighborhood, and he started beating on his brother too for picking on little kids. And his parents came over, and they weren't too happy with him, and they complained to my father, and my father was like, well, I will punish that boy for doing that. And I went into the room, and my father, I thought it was time for me, my father and his belt to have some fellowship. And <laughs> my father said, that's my son. He said, you see somebody picking on your brother, and you stick up for him? Let me tell you how proud I am of you. Because you knew his big brother could beat you up. Now it breaks up father and mother's hearts. I don't know whether Abraham got to see his, brother, his sons reconcile, but there's hope for us even in things that we can't see. That's because God's promises to us are often kept in remarkably unremarkable ways. We talked about that last week with divine providence, right? Sometimes we ask God for things and, and, and he gives them to us and we don't even realize he's given them to us because they're so unremarkable and we're already, before we even thank him, we're on to the next crisis. I think we're, we're always looking for the miraculous. We're looking for those James 5 healings we talked about in our Wednesday night studies in James but what I want us to see is that in our looking for an easy life, in our looking for only the spectacular, it's so easy to miss God's subtle work. It's so easy to miss God's slow work. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus told us that if we're faithful in little things, we'll be faithful in big things. But there's no reference to time. Why would, why would Jesus say that? Because on earth, Jesus was so faithful in the little things. But in eternity, we will see how incredibly faithful he is in the big things. John 10, 27 through 29 talks about one of those big things. He says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you one of his sheep? Do you hear his voice? You can simply become one of his sheep by putting your trust in him. It's really not, there's not that much to it. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life. That's heaven and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I don't know about you, man. I love that. 
that, that if I belong to Jesus, if you belong to Jesus and you mess up, that nobody can snatch you out of his hand. Verse 29, he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. That is the ultimate hope for a Christian. That is, that is the ultimate assurance. That's a big thing. That's a big deal. But we don't always see it, do we? We don't always keep that out in front of us, do we? That's why we need spiritual eyes to see. Well, that takes us to number two. Hope for those who die in faith. Hope for those who die in faith. Let's go back to verse eight. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, some versions say contented, and notice this, was gathered to his people. Here we want to focus on the words gathered to his people. That's an interesting phrase in the Bible. When you look at it where it's in the Bible, it's, it's post-death for sure. Yet it's also said of people who were not necessarily buried with their family. So it's not like he died and they put him in the burial plot with his people. For Abraham, he is buried with his wife, but it's not, it's not true of all people. Also, it's said of people before they are buried. So what does it mean and where are his people? At the very least, we have to say that it indicates that people continue to exist in the realm of the dead. And guess who's there? Guess who's there? In Psalm 139, verse 8, King David says to God, if I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, most versions say Sheol, which means the realm of the dead, behold, you are there. So when you and I die, no matter your status with God, you will meet him. The scripture says it is appointed unto man or a woman to die once and then the judgment. You will meet God. Now, some people will say, is God in hell? Oh, that's a long question, so we're not going to get into that today. But I, at the very least, I will tell you this. His presence is there, or his, his presence is felt there, or lack thereof. <laughs> we, noticed, we noted in Genesis 22 that the reason that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son as God had directed him, but he ended up not doing it because God put in a substitute, that Abraham believed God would raise Isaac from the dead. So Abraham was what? He was not afraid to die. That's why it says that he could die an old man full of years or contented. Certainly, if he dies in peace without having realized all the promises of God. Now, if you don't get what you want, we're like, all right. But if he died in peace without getting all the promises of God, what does that tell us? It tells us that he knows the best is yet to come. He knows that this life is not it. Now, this would be a challenge for other great people in the Bible. This would be a challenge for Moses, who took his people for 40 years in the wilderness and never got to enter the promised land. 
It would be a challenge to all the true people of God as well in the years that would follow who couldn't get all of the promised land. They tried to fight and they'd fight and they'd get knocked back and they couldn't get it all. Or it would be a real challenge to the people who lost the promised land. In the north to the Assyrians, to the south to the Babylonians. It's certainly a challenge to all of us. And we have much greater promises than the Old Testament saints ever had. A saint is simply someone who follows Jesus. It's nothing particular. So you're all saint. You may want to refer to each other that after the, after the service today. You see, we have Jesus. We have the cross. We have the resurrection. They had faith in the coming Messiah. They were looking ahead. We have faith in the Messiah has already come. We're looking in the rearview mirror. All who turn to God and put their trust in Jesus have the promise of the resurrection from the dead. That in death, there will be no experience of loneliness. And we will be together in heaven with the people of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to meet Abraham. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Like, dude, we studied your life. What's with all the lies? Grace, baby, grace. (laughs) Same as you. How can we know? How can we know we're going to heaven? You say, Pastor Jim, you tell us every week, which we believe you. The Bible tells us at every turn, we believe the Bible. No, oh. Remember two weeks ago, we, 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 Abraham purchased that little field in the promised land. He was rich, but he owned no land in the promised land. After all this time, when his wife died, he wanted to buy that field. We wanted to buy a cave, but the field he had to buy along with it to bury his wife Sarah in. And we studied that that was God's down payment on the promised land. That was the beginning of getting the promised land, which... That's really all they ha- Abraham has at this point. He's got a lot of flocks and herds and money and servants but, and people who work for him, but he only owns that field and that cave. But that little field and that little cave, that was his down payment. So when we come to the New Testament, do we get a down payment? We actually do. Again, we fast forward 2,000 years, more, more than that, actually, after the cross and resurrection, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Jesus said, when I leave, I will send the comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. It's good for you, Jesus said, that I leave. They're like, the apostles are like, what do you mean it's good for you if you leave? He goes, no, 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 it's good. And, and I've said to you many times before, is it better that Jesus is here on earth or is it better that the Holy Spirit is here? It's actually better that the Holy Spirit here or God, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why? Because he can be live within all of us. If, Jesus, if it was just Jesus here, he lived in the Middle East. And so in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. But in the New Testament times, now that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to all those who believe, he lives within us. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him, Jesus, you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel or the good news of your salvation, how you get to heaven, sins forgiven, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, some versions say, probably more versions say, the down payment of our inheritance 
So like that little field and that cave was the down payment of the inheritance of the promised land, the Holy Spirit is our down payment until the redemption of the purchased possession. Redemption is to redeem something is to buy. Jesus bought his followers at the cross. So those who are purchased, the purchased possession are followers of Jesus to the praise of his glory. So this is very simple. If you're not a follower of Jesus, please listen very carefully. How do you get to heaven? You hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That God told us how to live. And what did we say to God? I know what I'm doing. Don't lie. We lie. You know, don't steal. We steal. You say, I haven't stole a thing. Oh, really? Ask the people at this church how many Calvary Chapel pens they have at their house. <laughs> right? We take things. We take things. The couples are looking at each other. Yeah, but honey, we got to return those at some point in time. No chewed up ones, please. <laughs> okay? but, um, but yeah, so God tells us how to live. And the standard of heaven is perfection. None of us can make it. So in his great love, God sends Jesus. God becomes a man in the person of Jesus Christ. In his great love, Jesus comes, lives a perfect life in your place and in my place. And then instead of us having to take the punishment for our sins, for a lack of perfection, he takes our punishment on the cross. And to prove that it was all satisfactory to God, God raises him from the dead. He ascends into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. And the first time he came as a savior, the next time he will come as a judge. And all you have to do to get to heaven, all you have to do is to turn to God and say, God, I have lived with my life, with my back to you. I'm a sinner. I admit it. I know it. I have not done what you told me to do. And I want to turn from those sins. I need your help, but I want to turn. And I'm going to turn and I'm going to look at that cross and I'm going to say, that should have been me. And I'm going to put my trust in Jesus instead of myself. That is it. That is it. You respond to what Jesus has done. You believe, you trust in him. And then what happens? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's this simple. Like Abraham, you heard the call of God to leave your old life behind. Remember, that's what God called Abraham to at the very beginning. And you believed God with a trusting heart. The Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 4 that then when you believe God with a trusting heart, you are then adopted by God the Father. And then that's when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit into your heart. And then the Apostle Paul tells us that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Past tense. It's already happened. What, is, what does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? You know, those in the cattle business, how do they identify their cattle? They put a hot brand on them. God has branded you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, he is your, the Holy Spirit in your heart is your guarantee. And this is what it guarantees you on. Don't ever forget this. The Holy Spirit living in you is the guarantee among many other things, but is the guarantee that God cannot back out of the deal. He cannot. 
because you are sealed. That's biblical hope. That's biblical certainty. If you're anything like me, every once in a while I'm driving down the road or I'm walking or something like that, I'm thinking about something I'm saying to God, I'm like, well, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you guaranteed that. I'm blood bought. <laughs> don't forget sometimes when I'm desperate, I'm like, don't forget I'm blood bought. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a follower of Jesus' down payment. That full payment of our inheritance is coming. We have it already, but not yet. If you're listed in somebody's will, let's say you're going to inherit a million dollars. Technically, you have a million dollars already, but you don't yet have it. This is why followers of Jesus can confidently both live and die in faith with a confident hope because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love brings you the great hope of the gospel to equip you to reach others with this transforming message. In a world filled with fear and mistrust, Pastor Jim provides the path to freedom in a clear and transparent style. Changed by Love needs your help to reach thousands, including your friends and neighbors. Find out the ways you can team financially with Changed by Love by visiting our website at changedbyloveradio.org or call 862-217-9686. Pastor Jim would love to hear your story and how Changed by Love has impacted your life or someone you know. Your encouragement goes a long way. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.